You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Midland, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit www.redeemermidland.org. Amen. Y'all grab a seat. Good morning. Welcome to Redeemer. So glad that you're here. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We've got a lot of work to do this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be here on the screen for you to follow along as well. Uh, We are walking through this year the book of Romans, um, but for three weeks, we're right in the middle of that. This is week two of a three-week series that we're doing on mission or really living on on a co-mission with Jesus. Oftentimes we call this the great co-mission. Jesus has a mission on the planet and he's chosen to invite us in to be co-laborers on his mission. And oftentimes when we talk about mission and living on mission, we're talking about kind of external mission, uh, trying to see people that are not Christians become Christians, live our lives so that we can engage and have friendships and share the gospel and serve needs. And as we talked about last week, uh, uh, have gospel hospitality that leads to relationships and conversations to see lost people saved, non-Christians become Christians. And side note, Uh, Praise God for all of you who have already been hospitable. I've been super encouraged these last seven days to hear stories. One of you heard the sermon last week. Uh, I think it was before it was done, sent out a text, uh, ran to the store, got 60 hamburgers, had 30 people over to their house celebrating gospel hospitality. So praise God for that. Um, Today, we are not talking so much about mission out there as we are talking about mission in here, Uh, the mission that we have to love and to serve needs even inside of the church, uh, even for those Christians who are around us and a part of Redeemer. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking to a local church that was gathered in a place called Ephesus, and there was a lot of needs in that city, a lot of needs in the neighborhood, a lot of needs in the people of that church. I'm sure they had health problems. Uh, There were probably some who were grieving the loss of loved ones, uh, maybe economic problems, maybe they had lost jobs or lost the ability um, to uh, have an income for their family. Uh, A lot of needs uh, were taking place. That's the backdrop of what uh, God writes to us today in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesus had a lot of needs. In the United States, there's a lot of needs. Uh, For the last five years in our church, there have been a lot of needs, some uh, relational, some uh, just working through things internally. Sometimes those are job-related, health-related, financial-related, a lot of needs. And then also, 2020, and I know we talk about this a lot, but it has created a lot of needs. Needs. Uh, I, I heard one pastor phrase it this way, that he saw coming, he believes 2021, and he's already seeing this, as are we, a what he calls a tidal wave of grief, um, that so many people lost so many things in 2020. Maybe it was a loved one, maybe it was an element of freedom, uh, maybe it was a job, maybe it was a friendship that you had that was broken over disagreements, but the, maybe it was something that you had planned, a vacation or a graduation for your kids, we've all lost something, and so... Ephesus had needs. The United States always had needs. But especially in this moment in time, there are a lot of needs around us. And I'll tell you this just from uh, the church staff's perspective. There are a lot of people in our church right now with incredible needs. So the question for today is what is God's plan? What is God's design to use the church to meet those needs? 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12 is where we are going to start. What is God's plan to use not just the church, but here's the question I want to pose. Put this in your mind for all of this morning. How does God want to use our church and you to meet the needs of the people around you? If you're in Ephesians 4, verse 8, say, heartily ready. Good. I was going to say, I don't know if you had to say the word heartily or if you understood that that was a description of how I wanted you to say ready, but nonetheless, here we go. Therefore, it says, when he, talking about Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Um, He's talking about Jesus. Jesus descended from heaven, invaded earth, became uh, part of his creation. He uh, assumed a human body, was born in Bethlehem. He descended from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, uh, to die a sacrificial death, to uh, serve his people, to begin the church. And then he died and he rose and he ascended, went back to heaven. And after he ascended, went back to heaven, he gave gifts to men. Uh, We see this in the end of the Gospels in the beginning of Acts that uh, after Jesus created the church and he pushed the church forward on his mission, uh, he left but did not leave the church, did not leave uh, Christians as orphans, instead sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has given gifts to every single Christian for the engagement of the mission of Jesus, both external to the church and internal. That's what it's talking about. Jesus descended to earth, ascended when he was here, and after he's gone, he has always been about empowering the church. Verse 11, all of that to say, verse 11, and he, that's Jesus. So Jesus, after he's ascended into heaven, he still cares deeply about the mission of the church. In fact, one of the things that he is actively doing right now is being devoted to and attending to the church. Praise God that Jesus still today, alive and well in heaven, cares about what takes place now, and he cares about the church. And he gave, Jesus gave, The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's the verse that we are going to unpack this morning. What does it look like for us to be the type of church that uh, Jesus wants us to be, that Paul wanted Ephesus to be? So he talks about leadership, he talks about equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the end result of building up the body of Christ. So number one, we know that Jesus has given gifts. If you're a Christian in the room and you have the Holy Spirit, you have been given a spiritual gift. And there's a lot of places in the Bible that Paul talks about that, especially in Ephesians and 1 Corinthians. He talks about all the different things that when you come to faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, you have a gift that Jesus has given you. Uh, It talks about the illustration of it being a body, and a body has a lot of different parts that all work together, and they're all very important. Some are visible, some are not, some are, um, you understand how they function, some are are a little more obscure, and they all work together in order for the body to function properly. Same way with Christians. You all have a gift. Everyone has a gift to 
incorporate and to use for the body, and everybody gets to benefit from the body working together. But then specifically, he talks about in chapter 4 that Jesus has given churches gifted leaders, and he breaks this up into four or possibly five categories. So let's work through these really quickly. He says that he gave the apostles. Okay, the first um, function or role in the church that Jesus talks about here is that he gave apostles, and there's really two different ways this um, this uh, office or this role has served over time. There's the capital A apostles, the uppercase A, there was 12. Uh, The 12 apostles, they saw Jesus, they were personally trained by Jesus, and they began leading this movement that we know of as the New Testament church. There's a special gift that Jesus gave to the church, the the, the 12 apostles. I also believe there's a lowercase, um, small a apostle gifting that's the gift that God has given the church. Um, These are uh, people that are gifted not just to lead churches, but to lead uh, movements and to be leaders of leaders. They don't carry nearly the weight um, that capital A apostles do, but it's still a gifting that God has given to the church. Number one, that's apostles. Two, prophets. Same thing with prophets. There's capital P prophets. There's lower P prophets. Um, The capital P prophets are the ones that spoke for God, and we have their words here. They were the voice of God. They showed up, and they said, Thus saith the Lord, and they spoke for God, and we captured it into the Bible, and there was a pretty strict... Uh, description about who these type of prophets should be. If they ever get it wrong or if they ever say something and they say, thus saith the Lord, and it doesn't happen, what happened to them? Stoned. Not this stoned, this stoned. Because God wanted to take seriously the idea that we need to know what God says. So capital P prophets were a gift to the world and to the church that uh, we have this because of uh, capital P uppercase prophets. You also have uh, lowercase uh, small letter P prophets. Uh, We don't write the Bible, we preach the Bible. So some people have the gift from Jesus to be prophets. So we show up and say, thus saith the Lord. And then we don't just kind of come up with some things. Like we don't say, hey, thus saith the Lord, and then we have this whole list of things. We say, thus saith the Lord, and then we unpack this book. That's a lowercase p prophet. The third one he talks about are evangelists. And do we believe that all Christians should care about evangelism? Everybody say, Yes, absolutely, but some people are uniquely wired and uniquely gifted uh, to engage people that are not Christians and to share the gospel in such a way that it helps them become Christians. It is the role of every Christian, but some are very uniquely gifted and wired to engage non-Christians and see them become Christians. Praise God for the evangelists. And then the second one, if you or the last one here, in verse 11, if you look back... Um, there's commas between each. So it's apostles, comma, prophets, comma, evangelists, comma, and then shepherds and teachers are not separated by a comma. So the first question is, is did Paul understand the Oxford comma? How many of you know the Oxford comma? It is a hill that I am willing to die on. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the comma is still important, and because there's no comma there, what he's doing is he's saying that this is kind of uh, two sides of one coin. This is a gift of, of the shepherds and the teachers that's really two sides of one gifting. And so shepherds and teachers, which is the Bible's really terminology for what normally we call pastors, um, this is a role and a gift of leadership to the church that Jesus has given 
uh, and there's a few different words in the New Testament that are used interchangeably. Uh, shepherds, pastors, elders, overseers, those are four different words that talk about the same function. Uh, we in our culture, for some reason, have gravitated towards pastor, although that is the least used of the terms. The predominant use of the term for somebody like uh, me or Cam that are pastoring and shepherding a church is a shepherd. And the role of a shepherd in a local church is to lead like a shepherd does to feed and to protect. And so Jesus is saying that he has given these four, maybe five functions to the church. This is his gift. Every Christian has been given gifts, and every church has been given gifted leaders by Jesus. So the question is, why did God give gifts to Christians, and why has he gifted leaders in the church? I'm glad you asked. The first thing he says is that all these leaders... The, the, the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers have been given by the mastermind, Jesus, to the church to, number one, equip the saints. Everyone say, equip the saints. The east side of the room is doing much better than the west side of the room, so next time you will have your chance to catch up. First question is then, who are the saints? And we have talked about this over and over and over for uh, quite a while at Redeemer because it's important when the Bible talks about saints that you know if you're a Christian, the Bible's talking about you. So there's this idea, my mother grew up in the, in the Catholic church, and the Catholic teaching of a saint uh, is that like very, very few Christians, if they're super duper, like uh, superhuman almost Christians that are full of good works uh, and have performed at, at least two miracles, um, because interestingly enough, one is not enough. You can perform a miracle, and they're like, ah, I mean, that was good, but until we see two, not fully convinced. So if you have, are full of good works, you're like a super varsity Christian uh, and, and, and you have performed two miracles, then you can be called a saint. And sometimes even in, even in the Catholic world, that can be elevated to a position of worship, which in the Bible is blasphemy to worship anyone that's not Jesus. And so sometimes because, because of that mentality, we think when the Bible talks about saints that it's not talking about us, it must be talking about someone else. But in the Bible, when the Bible talks about saints, who is it referring to? Christians. Every single Christian is a saint, not by virtue of our works, but by virtue of our new identity that Jesus has wiped away our sin, forgiven us by his grace, and made us saints. That's important because Paul says the leaders in the church exist to equip the saints. If you're a saint, raise your hand. This sermon is about you. You ready? To equip the saints. So the saints, that's us, that's every Christian. Leadership in the church exists to equip the saints, um, to equip, to basically give you the equipment that you will need for the task at hand. If you're going to play football, it's important that you get the necessary equipment, right? You need the pads, you need the helmet, you need the jersey. If you're going to engage in the mission of Jesus on the earth, you're going to need the equipment. Uh, the job of church leaders, part of the job, not the whole job, is to give you the tools and the equipment, the information, the training, uh, the organization to engage your life in the work of ministry. Not to entertain, but to equip. So the question is to equip you for what? Paul says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Westside, this is your chance. Everybody say the work of ministry. 
I mean, I didn't mean that the whole east side had to just not talk. Uh, this is a challenge. I want to see who can talk the loudest. Uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. We're catching on. We are really getting there. Um, the, the word in, in Greek, and we're going to get technical just for a moment, that Paul uses, this is important, uh, for ministry is diakonia, uh, which if you know your New Testament, you know that in Acts um, there was some things in the early church, the first church in Jerusalem, um, some needs that arose, very, very practical needs that arose in the church that were not being taken care of. Um, namely, um, that uh, some of the widows in the church who were uh, living off of the support of the church were having a difficult time getting all their food and their rations. So that was a very, very practical need that popped up. And so what came out of that is the idea of a deacon. A deacon was an office in the church that existed to serve the need. This is the exact same word, or it comes from the same word um, that we understand the office in a church of a deacon. But this, in this sense, is being applied to every Christian. So in some sense, there, there are deacons in the church that oversee things, but I think in a greater sense, every single Christian is called and gifted by the Spirit and hopefully equipped by the church to engage in the same type of things, in serving uh, needs, meeting needs, uh, helping people. And I think that in, in, in some sense that the better job we do, because right now at Redeemer we don't have deacons that have been named uh, deacon over this, deacon over that. And here's the reason why. Because by and large over the past many years, most of you have served as deacons. You have served the needs, and so until there is just something glaring that is a need that is not being met, it means that we are doing a good job as just Christians and people doing the work of ministry, doing the work of diakonia. So you need to know, if you're a Christian, you are also a minister. Did y'all know that? Some of you were like, I don't remember when I was called to ministry. Uh, the answer is when you were called to Christ, you were also called to ministry. Only many of you are volunteer. Praise God, right? You're volunteer ministers, and now you know. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Here's your chance. Everyone say, for building up the body of Christ. Now, I just feel like the south half has kind of given up, north half has caught on, but I can't really hear, so we'll just assume everyone is in. For building up, so when the when church leaders exist, to give you the equipment and the tools and the encouragement in the organization to serve the needs of the church so that the entire body of Christ might be built up. So then the looming question is, what in the world is the body of Christ? Uh, he, he talked about this already earlier in this book, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 22. It's on the screen here. It says that he put, God put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, meaning he made Jesus supreme and everything else is underneath him. He put all things under his feet and he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body. What is the body of Christ? Everyone say the church. So when he says the church leaders exist to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of serving of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, he means for the building up of the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. 
his body. If you remember back in Matthew, Jesus made a very, very bold statement as a 30-year-old single homeless Jewish man that did not have any political power, any educational power. He declared that he was going to build a church that would invade every single people group on the planet and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he told this to his 12 ragtag buddies out in the middle of nowhere in, uh, in, in northern Israel. And you fast forward 2,000 years, and it is the largest movement that planet Earth has ever seen. It is unbelievable what Jesus has accomplished through the church. Jesus promised he was going to build the church. He gave his life for the church. He invested his time to train 12 leaders to lead the church. He served the church. He died for the church. He rose for the church. He ascended. And after he was gone, we already saw in chapter that he still cares about the church. He's fully invested in the church. He's still devoted to it. He's still giving his life and his attention to the church. So here's just a question for you because this is important because in our culture right now in the United States, the average Christian is getting less and less devoted to the church. And, and this is what Jesus has given his life for. So this is my just very, very basic question for you. Are you as committed to the church as Jesus is? Are you devoted to the church like Jesus is? Do you treat the church like Jesus does? Do you love the church like Jesus does? And I'll say this, and I've said this from the beginning, that my prayer and my hope is for the Lord to give us uh, 30 years at Redeemer in Midland to invest our lives completely. And if at the end of 30 years, the main thing that comes out of our time here in my ministry is a church full of people and Christians that love the church as much as Jesus does, or at least heading in that direction, that will be an unbelievable win for me. And for our church, if we love the church and are devoted to the church, to what he says, to building up the body of Christ, not tearing it down, not running away from the church, that's my question. Is is your attitude toward the church, does that mimic Jesus' attitude towards the church? He has devoted his life for the church. And I'll tell you this, it's going to outlast everything else that we're involved in. Uh, The church, 10,000 years from now, your job won't be here. The church of Jesus will still be here. 10,000 years from now, uh, your sports, your kids' sports won't be here. Amen? Praise God for that. We finished our last soccer game yesterday. Uh, I'm sure it's coming back again 10,000 years from now. The church will still be here. So what are you investing your life in? Are you showing your priorities that they're the same as the priorities of Jesus? So our goal is to build up the body of Christ, which is the church. I want to tease out a few ways that I think this should become very practical very quickly for us to try to internalize and obey Ephesians 4.12 so that we might be equipped for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, What I'm about to run through is uh, both true, I think, nationally, statistically, uh, in 2021. And I can tell you this, it has been definitely true of our church and many of the people in this room for the last many months. Um, Anxiety is up. Anxiety is up is up. People are anxious, much more anxious on average than they were uh, 12, 14 months ago. Statistically around the world and in this church, depression is up. 
it has, it has in, increased. Um, suicide in the United States and even, I believe, in Midland is trending up. Uh, loneliness and isolation has been trending up. Um, counseling needs uh, and counseling centers in Midland, are there, the, the, the needs are trending up. Uh, everything is backlogged. If you want to get into a, a counselor in town, normally it takes a while because there is so much need that the increase has been uh, going up. Anger and hurt have gone up. Um, marriage problems and the strain inside of marriage for many people has gone up. Racial tension, both in our country, in our city, even interpersonally with many of us in the room have gone up. Social unrest has gone up. Uh, political division has increased. It has gone up. Unemployment has gone up. Uh, burnout in leadership has gone up. Everything except salaries has gone up. So what is, the, what, what is God's plan for that? When all of the needs and the hurts and the pains and the distresses of people, and especially in the church, when it goes up, what is God's plan? For God's people, the church, the saints, to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, to show up in people's lives, and to build up the body of Christ. That's our job. Like This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. Maybe not waiting for, but we have been prepared for this. God's plan has always been not just to use uh, professionals, not just to use the leaders in the church to do the work of ministry. I believe and I have seen these past many weeks that there is so much need in our city and in our people that it is beyond the ability for just leaders to engage. It's going to take an entire army of ministers, which is in fact Jesus' plan. That's what he said 2,000 years ago. How has he organized the church? He has gifted every Christian. He has gifted leaders so that the leaders might equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And I've got seven ways that we do this. There's probably multiple ways, but um, just to get very practical very quickly, how do we be filled up with the Spirit, show up in people's lives, and build up one another as we were designed to do? Number one, minister, or, or, or that diakonos, deacon serve, minister where your passion is. I believe God's given you many passions, and many of you have uh, very, very different passions that are all over the map. Maybe you have a, a passion for singing. Uh, we just got to watch some people that are very passionate about worshiping Jesus and leading others in singing. Uh, maybe you're passionate about uh, taking care of the, the foster and the adoption needs in our city. Maybe you're very passionate about um, unreached people groups and global missions to places on the planet where people have not heard about Jesus. Maybe you're very passionate about one-on-one um, -on -one discipleship. Maybe you're very passionate passionate about the homeless situation, people in our need that are in our uh, area, in our neighborhood that are in great need. Maybe you're very passionate about serving and helping veterans. There's a lot of different ways that you have passions. Here's my encouragement for you to find out what your passion is and to find a way to minister with that. Number one, find out what are you excited about. And a lot of times I believe that God gives us a passion for a reason. So engage what, what your passion is and try and serve a need there. And don't be frustrated. This is important to know. Don't be frustrated with somebody that's not as passionate about the same thing that you are. There is a lot of needs to be taken care of. Follow, minister where your passion is. That's number one. Number two, minister where your giftings are. 
Minister where your giftings are. First Corinthians talks about the body, that's us, that's the church. Uh, we need all of the different gifts to be a healthy, functioning body. And that's different than passions. Uh, Singing is not a spiritual gift. It's a passion and an an ability. um, But gifts are very, very different. Uh, When you become a Christian, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit gives you a gift. Uh, I will never forget. It was 20 years ago next uh, month. Uh, It was uh, June of 2001 that I taught the Bible for my first time. Uh, I was uh, actually a worship leader. You may not have known that. Uh, Praise God, those days are over because David and the crew do a much better job than I did. Uh, I was playing guitar and I was leading some worship and uh, I was at a youth camp uh, up in Colorado with our church from Amarillo and the teacher that was supposed to be teaching this uh, entire Bible study at the camp got sick and for some reason they just kind of uh, pointed at me. I was the only one that didn't have any other jobs and they said, well, can you do it? I was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) never done that before. And I taught, and it was rough, but people understood what I was saying. And I had a lot of people after that say, hey, you really have a gift. We believe that God has given you a gift to teach. Some of you are like, I don't know. Uh, it's been 20 years. Shouldn't have, should have gotten a lot better. Listen, I'm trying, all right? I'm doing my best. What are your gifts? And honestly, if you don't know what your gifts are, ask somebody, because often other people can recognize gifts that you may not even see in yourself. Uh, what are your gifts? Do you have gifts of mercy? Do you have gifts of uh, interceding and praying for people? Do you have gifts of leadership? Do you have gifts of teaching? There's a lot of gifts. So minister first where your passion is. Second, you can think, what are your gifts are? Minister where your gifts are. Number three, minister by praying. Minister by praying, and this is what I want to encourage you towards, is not to say that you're going to pray for people, but to pray for people. If we're honest, can we be honest that sometimes we say, I'll pray for you, and then we forget. Um, I'll never forget, I was in India for the first time, and we had a, a small group of, uh, of Christians that were meeting in this church. It was somewhat uh, uh, underground, and uh, we preached, and we had this, they, they have like different services than us. They have like 30 to 45 minutes of preaching and then like an hour of prayer. And so I remember some people, they just came up and um, they told us through a translator what some of their needs were. And I remember saying, I'll pray for you. And then the guy just stood forward and just bowed his head. I was like, oh, you mean now? Oh, yeah, th- well, that's, this is a great time. And I remember saying, like, I'll pray for you, thinking I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write it down. I've had a little prayer journal I intended to. But he's like, oh, this is a great time. So this is my encouragement for you. When you hear of a need or you in, in, in talk to somebody and they, they express something that's an opportunity for you to serve, pause right then and don't say, I will pray for you. Bow your head, put your hand on their shoulder, and just simply pray for them. It takes place in this room every Sunday. I encourage you to do it today. Don't wait to pray for someone until there's a, maybe a moment later on. Just pause what you're doing and pray. It's unbelievable how deep that ministers to someone. Uh, we had someone last week, I believe it was their first time at Redeemer and they came down to one of the prayer benches and somebody that they didn't even know just came, put a hand on their back and prayed over them. I don't even think they could hear what they were saying, but they said it was just so deeply moved and they felt the Holy Spirit in them. It is an incredible act of service for you to pray. So minister by praying. Number four, minister where the need is. Sometimes a need is going to wind up on your doorstep that you're not passionate about and that you're not gifted for. And what are we supposed to do as Christians? Serve. Serve where the need is. 
Some of you all know the story of our family. Um, a couple years ago, our oldest son, just out of the blue, two days after uh, Christmas, just started having horrible grand mal seizures. And I will tell you, when it happened, I was home. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning, December 27th, and I went in to check on Judah, and he was just glossed over, and he just began to seize, uh, which is terrifying, especially if you don't know what's going on. And this is what I did not do. I did not say, you know what? My passions aren't seizures. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not super passionate about ministering to kids with seizures. I didn't think about, you know what, my giftings are not um, pediatric neurology. That's n- not what the Lord has gifted me in. What did I do? Whatever I could do because it was a need and I was there. So, yes, we need to serve where our giftings are, serve where our passion is. But listen, if something just shows up, the Holy Spirit can help you navigate through and do what you can do. Do something. Uh, Minister where the need is. Who in your life is lonely? Minister to them. Who in your life has been isolated? Who is burdened? Who are you engaged in a relationship with that is hurting about something? That's an opportunity for you to step in. Uh, Who just had a baby and you can step in and minister? Who just lost a loved one that you can step in and help? Who just moved to town and doesn't know anybody? Who just lost their job? Who hates their job? Who has forgotten the gospel and just simply needs to be reminded by you that there is no condemnation, that they don't need to feel shame when Jesus has taken their shame, that they don't need to feel guilt when Jesus has endured their guilt. Someone around you has a need. Find it, show up, build up. That's the call of the church. Number five, look for the opportunity that Jesus has prepared for you. One of my mentors uh, back at DBU it was the president at the time named Dr. Cook, Gary Cook. And I remember often uh, I would be with him and he would have a lot of things on his plate and on his to-do list. And some situation from some student would rise up that um, he would just... He he was so good at pausing everything he was doing. And I remember him telling me um, that every day his very simple prayer when he starts his day is, God, please don't let me miss the opportunity that you have made for me. We can easily miss a very small opportunity because it wasn't on our to-do list. So let me read what, again, if this is Ephesians, the same book that we've been in all morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith So we've been saved. This is a free gift. It's something that God has done for us, to us, in us. He has saved us. He has rescued us. Our salvation is 100% the work of God. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody may boast. So it says you, works were not part of you becoming a Christian, but they have to be a part of you after you're a Christian. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we, that's the saints, that's Christians, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is what Dr. Cook was talking about. God has prepared very specific works for you. I think every day there's something unique that he will make uh, cross your path and he has wired you and, and, and filled you with the Spirit so that you can be filled up and you can show up and you can build up. So don't miss it if we have all these big things on our to-do list and something that we didn't plan comes into your life. Be willing to hit pause and think, 
maybe this is exactly what God has prepared beforehand that I should walk in it. I think it's a great way to start your day to pray that prayer. Jesus, please don't let me miss what you have prepared for me to do today. Number six, join a community group. Join a community group, and you're in luck. We're having a Next Steps class tonight where if you don't even know what a community group is, you can show up at 5 o'clock, and we'll talk through this um, because this has been one of the main ways at Redeemer that we have tried to uh, take care of one another and serve one another and know one another. A lot of the times when these needs arise, if you're in a community group, somebody around you is going to understand, and they're going to see that need, and they're going to do their best to serve. So whether you want to be served, and we're all going to have a season in our life that we need to be served and we need something from someone or whether you want to give, joining a community group is a fantastic way for you to be committed to a group of people so that you can show up in their lives. Number seven, I think the question might rise up, how long do we need to minister like this? This sounds like it's uh, it is somewhat sacrificial. It's going to require some time and some energy on our part. Um, so how long, Redeemer, do we need to take a posture that we are all ministers designed to show up in people's lives? I'm glad you asked because I'll rewind all the way back to where we started in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that that Jesus has given the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, which very simply means until everyone is absolutely and perfectly unified. Not one little ounce of disunity left. Some of y'all, can't, we can't even imagine that, right? So many opportunities in our world for disunity. He says, you keep doing this and you keep living like this and you keep this posture until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God until your knowledge is full of who Jesus is to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I believe this is what he's saying. If the question is, how long should we take this posture and minister like this? The answer is, until we die or Jesus comes back. That's what he's saying. This is the life of a Christian on mission, to be equipped for very practical ministry, to share the gospel, to meet needs, so that we can all fully attain. And I think that's why he says, until we all I think he's including us in that until all Christians arrive at this final destination that we are destined for, we are supposed to love and to serve one another. Um, a few hundred years ago in the 17, 1600s, um, there was a lot of movement across the oceans uh, with ships. They were shipping cargo and people. And uh, from what I can tell, this is the time that this certain phrase showed up, that if you're on a ship and you had a, a crew, um, some of them would be working, some of them would be sleeping. And if a storm hit that was too much for everybody that was awake, wake, um, they would shout this command. They would say, all hands on deck, which means everybody get up and everybody get topside and everybody get engaged because this storm is unbelievable. This is what I titled this sermon this week, all hands on deck, because it's going to take more than just the counselors in town, just the pastors in town, just the leaders in town to meet the needs of the people in our community and in this room. And that is God's design. There are no Christians by God's design that are, that are, uh, that are bench warmers, um, that are second string, that are asleep under, on, uh, you know, un- underneath the deck. Every Christian has been called to engage in the mission of Jesus. 
We need all hands on deck. It's like Hudson, my six-year-old. Um, they had their last soccer game last week, and a few of their kids uh, on his team weren't able to make it, so they only had enough for one team. So everybody played the entire time until it was over. That's what it means to be a Christian. There are no Christians that just sit back and watch others do the ministry and do the work. God's design is for the saints to do the work of ministry. Could you imagine your life, whatever needs you have, whatever opportunities for someone else to serve you, could you imagine your life, could you imagine your community group, could you imagine uh, this city, if we deployed a thousand saints as full-time volunteer ministers in whatever vocation, whatever uh, company, whatever place that you live, if we deployed people that live their lives 100% to obey what was commanded, what that would do for the name of Jesus in our city. We need all hands on deck. So let me invite you to bow your head, to close your eyes, and I'm going to pray towards that end. Jesus, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe we need you. We believe that you fill us up for the task at hand to, uh, to, to be molded into the image of Jesus and even to fill us up to do the, the work that Jesus has called us to do. God, we cannot evangelize people that don't uh, know the gospel and have not responded to it without your spirit. So I pray that you would help us. God, we can't even engage in gospel hospitality without your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we can't even go to Walmart without your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit might fill us up as you do, Holy Spirit, as you fill each one of us up. I pray that you would help us to, to show up in the lives of the people around us when they have a need, even if it is at, uh, at sacrifice to us in our free time and our sleep. God, I pray that you'd allow us to be the type of church that builds one another up, that we build up the body of Christ. God, where anyone in this room or online has been torn down and discouraged, I pray that you would send a minister of the gospel, a saint of Christ, into their lives to remind them of the gospel, to meet their needs, to pray with them, and to build them up in Christ. Father, I pray that you would give us the humility and the strength and the love and the selflessness to assume this type of posture until you come back and we no longer have to meet those needs because they will be gone. Father, I just pray that you'd help us to be a church that serves one another, truly an army of servants. And I pray that our city would notice that and they would be drawn to Christ. We love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.